my voice, but I'm saying to me, why should I be different than the two of you? Vote now. Make sure you, in fact, let people know you're senator. I'm not going to answer the question because because the question is the question is the question left. Will you shut up, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? Well, wow, what was that? This certainly has to be a low point in American history as far as presidential races go, as far as our politics, as far as just the message that we send to the world about who we are. I love this country. I love it from a civic standpoint. I love it from an intellectual standpoint. There are things I hate about it. But the reason why I criticize it and the reason why I'm so passionate about this country is because I know the potential it has. I know the ideals that it aspires to. And sometimes we make it to those ideals and sometimes we don't. Tuesday night, we fell so woefully short of those ideas And it just really is a microcosm of everything that's going on in this country right now. With Trump, who I do believe is a literal threat to our democracy. I know everyone likes to play both sides and they're both equal and all these kind of things. No, it's not. I've never been a Democrat in my life. And what they are doing is pretty normal. The things that Trump is doing just like that debate, are so destructive that they, they have the potential to leave our democracy in ruins. So when you schedule a debate, unless you're going to get muted mics, unless you're going to do that, which they didn't agree to do before, unless you're going to do that, you count on the contestants, the debaters, to follow the rules. And sure, you might bend the rules a little bit, like in basketball, you're going to foul and maybe you don't get you, you don't get caught. Or in football, you're going to do pass interference or you're going to hold. And some of that's going to happen. And the moderator has to in, in, in the moderator has to stop when somebody breaks the rules or they're trying to stretch the rules. What Trump did is act like the rules don't exist. It's tackling some money in ba- someone in basketball. It is instead of doing pass interference just by grabbing and holding, is tackling them while the ball is in the air and the referee has no way to really penalize other than to say, please stop, please stop. It is humiliating. And I know I'm, I'm treading this fine line because to both sides it, because there's a conflict, sometimes is wrong. When... 80% of this shit that was going on in this debate was Trump's fault. He started out interrupting. He finished interrupting. He interrupted in the middle. He went after the moderator. He said things that weren't true. He personally attacked Joe Biden from college to his children to almost everything Joe Biden had ever done in his own life. So I can't blame and put the lion's share of blame for what happened on Joe Biden. That's just simply not true. But Joe Biden did have some of what went on. He did interrupt sometimes. But who would not interrupt at some point? Who would not fight back? 
who would not lose their patience, lose their decorum at some point when he shot back at him and said, shut up. But most of the time, he, I think he handled it well. I don't know how you would handle it with Trump. Do you just sit there and just say, hey, I'm not going to keep going. If you're going to keep interrupting me, you can just talk and I'll just sit there. He can Mr. Rogers them, is what I say. Like you just sit there in silence or be one of those teachers that lets you get it all out and stay silent and, and not reinforce the behavior like some teachers and I've seen do. Do you do that? Do you just go into a knockdown drag out fight with them? I felt like Joe actually had a decent balance between trying to focus on actually answering the questions, hitting him back. But to be, have someone constantly interrupting you over and over and over and over again. I don't know how anyone could survive. I don't know how anybody can analyze this debate because it was such a craptastic situation that you can't even fathom how bad it truly was. Watching the debate, I've studied Trump. I've watched so many of his speeches, try to get a handle on him and the way he thinks. It was clear to me that he was locked in from the very beginning. Usually, Trump is kind of scatterbrained. He's kind of whatever pops in his head. He's over here. He's over there. Whatever interests him at the time, he does that. He rambles. He goes off on tangents. But I saw in his eyes, I saw from the very first moments of the debate that he was locked in. But what he was locked in on was going after Biden. And I think that their strategy was, not sure if it was him or his people or a combination, was that they thought that if he get, went on the offensive and really, really went after Biden, you would get some of those senior moments that Biden is so famous for. And a lot of liberals don't want to admit that Biden screws up a lot. And Trump also screws up a lot. And some people have blamed it on Biden's stuttering problem. And sometimes it is that. But there are some of these instances where Biden has messed up. It looks like he's been lost during the Democratic debates. So you, you wonder, you know, if you can make him do that on the biggest stage. But Trump instead of just poking him, interjecting a little bit, or ultimately letting Biden make his own mistakes, he tried to force him into it, and it made things awkward and nasty and terrible. He just would not stop. He attacked Matthews, he attacked Biden, and it just became a mess. And if we look at how did Joe Biden do, expectations were very low. Trump had been calling the man mentally diminished for months. So when you're at that level, when you're at that level, and debates are very much an expectation game, when the, when the expectations are that low, it doesn't take much. One of my friends said, hey, uh, he didn't do that bad. I said, yeah, he didn't die. But no, overall, considering what Biden was doing and what he had to deal with, I think he did as best he could. He missed a couple points. He definitely, definitely missed the point when they were talking about COVID to go after Herman Cain 
and say, or hit that Herman Cain point, that Herman Cain died at one of Trump's rallies. That was a huge miss and a huge whiff. But again, can you really blame him with all the chaos going on? I doubt he could hear the thoughts in his own head. And so there was something really good that Biden did that I was really impressed with. And we'll, we'll get to that later, that actual clip. But the thing I was most impressed with about Biden in that debate, besides trying to talk to the American people sometimes and trying to get away from the silliness of the arguing the time that he tried to do that, he baited Trump into the headline, the soundbite of that debate. And the fact that Trump would not disavow white supremacy and would not disavow the Proud Boys. When you listen to that clip, and I don't want to play it yet because I want to use it as one of the moments of the debate, the debate. But when you listen to that clip, Chris Wallace says, you know, will you denounce white supremacy? Trump says, sure. Who do you want? Name one. And Biden says, Proud Boys, Proud Boys. So then Trump slips and names a specific group which makes it even worse. He names a specific group and then doesn't stand back, stand by, whatever crap he said. So that part, debate uh, in the debate, Biden like a sly fox slips in there in that line and feeds it in Trump's head, and Trump repeated it, and he fell into the trap. So that was beautiful on Biden's part. I thought that he kind of struggled with some of the science stuff. He was talking about that. Um... He handled a lot of the personal attacks. He looked empathetic. Um, he had a good line about the reporters that were getting caught up in the violence of the protests uh, and what Trump had said about him. I felt like he didn't hit him hard on his taxes as he could have. There were a lot of parallels that he could have drawn from Trump not paying what a Democrat would call the fair share. Uh, he definitely looked hurt and sympathetic when Trump went after Hunter, especially when Trump went after him and he said, I don't know, Bo, I know Hunter. Biden was trying to make the point that his son that had died had served and Trump still wanted to go to Hunter. And so it was, it was tough. It was just tough. He got really, really personal. Uh, Trump tried to hit him really hard on the... Uh, tough on crime stuff, law and order. So much of this debate was trying to get people to say certain words. They wanted Trump to disavow white supremacy. Trump wanted Biden to disavow, uh, I guess, or just to avow law and order. And Biden did it. If you really look at what Biden is about, it's very moderate. He's not into reforming the police or drastic change in any way. He's a politician. He's establishment. He wants to tweak the establishment. He definitely does not want to uh, change the establishment or have a revolution in the establishment. So they've got the wrong way, wrong guy. And a lot of the lines of attack that Trump was trying to do just didn't land. Like, we, uh, who cares how he finished in college? Trump, we know that you, or we know that your niece said that you lied to get into your university by having somebody take the SAT for you. So, and your children have had some ethics concerns as far as how they use the business. Now, I'm not sure how to the independent voter that does anything to say that Hunter Biden is this and that. Even if Hunter Biden is the worst kid in the world, everybody's got a kid and kids screw up and, you know, adult kids screw up. I don't, 
I don't understand where his rationale was. And then he tried to hit Biden that the left wing was going to take it on, take everything over, and, and dictate to Biden what he would do. And Biden said, no, I'm the Democratic Party. So that was another strong suit for Biden. Uh, it was a good line where he said he wouldn't know the suburbs unless he took a wrong turn. That was a good line. I felt like Biden had a lot of lines that he couldn't use because there was no rhythm to the debate. He said, wrong guy, wrong time, wrong night, or whatever he tried to say. He just threw that line out there because he had to use it. He thought it was a good time. And, you know, it just was really hard to get in there and, and deliver for the first 30 minutes. Now, of course, Chris kind of, sort of got things under control. The last, I don't know, I don't know, maybe the last uh, hour of the debate, maybe the last 45 minutes of the debate, I felt like Matthews kind of got things under control. But it was really hard for a while for him to control. And I don't think Matthews knew how bad Trump was going to be. Like, I anticipated that Trump, would be very aggressive, but I didn't think that kind of aggression where the whole time you would not let the other man talk. Like, I, you can't have a functional debate. It was a shit show. You can't have a functional debate if one person refuses to allow the other person to talk, to gather their thoughts, to articulate points. And there were no, I mean, not no, but there, were, there weren't really policy proposals. You couldn't get into their plans. Because Trump just wouldn't let it. He wanted this to be a street fight. Like the lowest of the low, the worst backyard alley street fight that you ever want to see. Or ever don't want to see. And what Biden, or what a debate is supposed to be, is boxing. At the very worst, is UFC. There are rules that you have to go by. There's technique to it. There's an art to it, and it is a conflict, but it's a controlled conflict. Trump was just out there like he's arguing at a spouse, and that, to me, is what made it so horrible. And yes, Biden did take the bait many times, but again, Chris Matthews, if you go by that standard, took the bait because you have to say something back. Like, I don't understand what you could do as a human being based on the things that Trump was doing. And I've seen a lot of criticism of Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews. If I've been saying Chris Matthews in this podcast, I apologize. Sometimes I say them interchangeably, but Chris Wallace is much better than Chris Matthews. And so Chris Wallace, an esteemed journalist, but what was he supposed to do? He did not have the power to turn off the mic. He had to try to remain dignified. It's still the president. And I'll never forget, please, Mr. President, over and over again, you have to have class and dignity. You can't hit Trump so hard it looks like you're being biased. Chris Matthews was caught in a no-win situation. There is no person on this planet that could have handled that debate any better because if you start arguing with Trump, which... Chris, Chris Wallace did start arguing with Trump anyway, but you can't make yourself the show if you're the moderator. So if you overly confront Trump and you don't have the rules in place with, with the mute button or cutting the mics, you become part of the debate. And it's like a referee becoming part of the show in a sport. And sometimes that happens in baseball where the umpires argue. That doesn't work. 
You don't have the country to think that Trump didn't get a fair shake. That's just not the moderator's job. So I'm going to stick out, stick up for Chris Wallace and the job he did. He was in no win situation. No win situation. You saw what he did with Hillary and Trump, and that was fantastic. But you can only be as good as the candidates allow you to be. And if one candidate flat out refuses to go by the rules, you don't have the power to end it. You don't have the power to kick him out. His hands were tied. The biggest part of the night was unquestionably the exchange on white supremacy. Let's listen to it. Tonight, to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I would say say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. So what are you you, you saying? I'm I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. You want to call them... What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White Proud supremacists and right Proud, Proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is a left wing. This is a left. It is hard to imagine just a lower moment. The president of the fucking United States can't condemn white supremacy. And so that moment is just so mystifying. And I've seen some people say that he misspoke on his side. And I'm trying to be as generous as I possibly can. And I listen and it sounded like he babbled and he started a little bit. Stand back and stand by. Like, I don't understand it. I heard one of his former advisors say that he didn't even say the name of the Proud Boys. The amount of denial that is in the minds of his supporters is unbelievable. Like, how can you justify How can you justify the fact that he can't just simply say that white supremacy is wrong? I don't want to be associated with it in any way. And I I denounce this group. It was a masterstroke on the part of Joe Biden to bring up a specific group like the Proud Boys. But when I listen to it in the most fair, in the most honest, non-biased way. The only thing I can see is that he wanted to disavow it or he wanted to try to say it was wrong without saying it was wrong. So I don't think there was some special code he was giving to the Proud Boys. And I don't stand back and stand by. I don't think he was trying to give them orders. I think he really just got tongue-tied because he was in a rock and a hard place. He could not afford 
to alienate these people who he probably doesn't even think highly of. But at the same time, he couldn't just say, you know, they're bad. So, and part of it is, I think he doesn't want to give them what they want, but he knows that a lot of his supporters, not all, are straight white supremacists. So he didn't want to alienate that voting block. But honestly, where else are they going to go? They're going to vote for Biden? He should have just said it, and then everybody would have said, oh, well, nobody would have believed him anyway, except for his supporters and the white supremacy people, the Proud Boys and all that. They could have just said, well, you know, he has to say that in front of people, but we know he's really on our side. That's all he had to do. But instead, in his way, he fucked it up. Like, how could you come out of that debate still liking Trump? Definitely, if you didn't know, if you were on the fence, if you were a disaffected Republican, if you were moderate, how could you come out of that still wanting to vote for Donald Trump? I, I definitely thought that was the moment of the entire debate. But then we have to wonder, will there be another debate? Is it worth our time? I think Kamala and Mike Pence, it would be respectful, it would be dignified, it would be vigorous, it would probably be a little boring, but it would be two very smart people still in their mental primes with conflicting ideas about how to uh, make America better. And that's what we're supposed to have. And so maybe that will calm everything down. And then maybe by the time we do a rematch. But if it's going to be like the first one, what is the purpose of even having the debate? Because you get nothing done. You get no exchange of ideas. You get no contrast as far as ideas go. You get contrast in the personalities. But I, I cannot, I cannot in good conscience think that that's good for America to keep seeing that. Three, two more times. So they're going to have to. I see the debate commission is saying that they are looking into muting the mics. But will the Trump, but it's not like the NBA. If Trump just said, hey, I don't want to do any more debates, he doesn't have to. There's nothing forcing the Biden camp or nothing forcing the Trump camp. And that's the thing about the stuff that Trump does, whether it's uh, attacking judges whether it's basically his daughter and he doing an ad for Goya or Kellyanne Conway telling people to, um, to buy Ivanka's clothing line. Some of these things are ethics violations or they're just things that presidents don't do out of class, out of dignity. So much of America runs in the honor system. The fact that we don't have these kind of poll workers that watch and observe like we're some kind of third world country. We count on the honor of our fellow man and what he proposed, what he proposed was so un-American. And again, his supporters just eat it up. And I'm sorry, I can't be totally neutral, but I think it is neutral and being fair to take a stand to say it's wrong not to, to promise a peaceful transition of power. It's wrong to question the authenticity, authenticity of the results before it even happens. And there's no evidence that selling balloting is 
or will be significantly corrupted. Yes, of course, you're going to have some oddities. You have that with regular voting. But the fact that he's trying to delegitimize the whole process, he's throwing everything we've had with our democracy, he, he, he's uprooting it. And people are going to go with it. And I'm very scared for what could possibly happen. Uh, I'm hoping, I always have hope for our president. I always have hope for our country. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that he can be like he was against Hillary, be a little rude, but not so disruptive. That he would get it together and just do the right thing, denounce white supremacy. It's not so hard. Just say if you lose, you'll accept the results. You can challenge things through the legal process if you don't think they're right. But we cannot be a country where people, the pinnacle of what we are, violence-free elections, the peaceful transfer of power. If you study history, you know how rare that is in a country's history that the transfer of power is always peaceful from one group to the other. He is threatening the foundation of what this country's built on. And that's not political. That, that's patriotism. The things that I am saying right now are patriotic because I care about the country over a party. I'm not pro-Biden. I'm not pro-Trump. I'm pro-America and what we can be. And we have to be able to live up to these ideals. And folks, I'm just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted here. Uh, this is a debate. This is a very special debate edition of the RC Report. And I, I don't even know what we're going to do, but it's got to get better. Good night, and God bless y'all.